Heritage Foundation. I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. Immigration reform is a huge issue for our country right now. And for decades, we've heard a lot about borders, law enforcement, and amnesty. But an issue that President Trump brought up in his new proposal last week is one that hasn't received as much attention. To promote integration, assimilation, and national unity, future immigrants will be required to learn English and to pass a civics exam prior to admission. Through these steps, we will deliver an immigration system that respects and even strengthens our culture, our traditions, and our values. President Trump is talking about assimilation. Patriotic assimilation, actually. To assimilate, according to Merriam-Webster, is to take into the mind and thoroughly understand or to absorb into the cultural tradition of a population or a group. But patriotic assimilation is not just whether you adopt the habits of America, but whether you feel patriotic about America. It's when you begin to understand and feel within your being the beliefs of America and what makes her great. America is known as the great melting pot, but what if we aren't melting? What if we're just staying separate? Our expert today, Mike Gonzalez, a senior fellow in Heritage's Douglas and Sarah Allison Center for Foreign Policy, says that patriotic assimilation is the bond that allows America to be a nation of immigrants. Without it, Mike says, America ceases to be a nation, becoming instead a hodgepodge of groups. Mike Why is political assimilation such a big deal when it comes to fixing our broken immigration system? You know, immigration always leads to angst, right? In America and in other countries, people are always concerned about immigration. One of the reasons for that is that people intuit that their culture is at stake and they want to see as a continuation of their culture the things they like. They They don't want to see it change radically or drastically. And I think that is one of, I think the, the reason people or people sometimes are so nervous about immigration is that they feel that the country will change, and that's why one of the, the conditions, one of the of, how, of continuing to take immigrants, it's the essential condition, is that we assimilate the people who come in, that we that we that we at least say that we take the truly inclusive approach and say you can be an American. That doesn't happen anywhere else. It doesn't happen in Germany. It doesn't happen with France. It doesn't happen with the UK. We have the toolkit, and we have always had the toolkit to assimilate the immigrant, the newcomer, and treat him as an American and have him or her feel like as though they are born in this country. So you say we always have, but, Mike, there's a difference now between how we assimilate versus the Ellis Island days in 1920s, right? Right, and it's not, we're not, it's not just that we're not, trying to assimilate as we're doing the exact opposite. We're, try, we're very uh, very drastically telling people not to assimilate. So even before Ellis Island, uh, there was a push to assimilate. Uh, that was the case with the Germans and the Irish who came in 
and the Scandinavians who came in in the 1850s and the 1860s, not the 1860s really because we had a civil war, but we, you know, 1840s, 1850s, and then in the 70s and so on, we had a great deal of uh, European immigration in those days and also immigration from Asia. And back then, and then during Ellis Island, it was renewed. There was a push to assimilate the immigrant. Today, we don't do that at all. Since the 60s, what we have done with third uh, great wave of immigration, if you look at the first wave being the, the, the generation of the immigrants that start, in, that start in the 1850s, and then the second one, the immigrants that came in during Ellis Island, which is 1890 to 1924, and then this one is post-65, we have taken with this, and this is the largest, by the way, we have done the opposite. We have said, no, uh, do not assimilate, uh, do not uh, join the mainstream. We have created all these subnational groups for you. We have created Asians. Uh, we have created Hispanics. We have created all these groups that you can come in and you give your loyalty first and foremost. You give your primary loyalty to these groups, and and it, 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 there's no residual amount left for the for the for the country. Um, so we're doing the opposite. We're telling people uh, just just you can it's. You know, we can meet in the marketplace, we can meet in the middle, but once you retreat at home to your families, go back leading the same way. And obviously, you cannot have a country like that. In Mike's research and commentary, he's even gone on to explain how elites have essentially encouraged newcomers to hate us. He writes, As immigrants, refugees, and others come and settle here, they're actually taught that America is a racist, Islamophobic country and that they are victims. In fact, Mike writes much about how they live, from a social standing to actual tangible benefits, will depend on their status as members of an aggrieved, protected group. More on this after a short break. Do conversations about the Supreme Court leave you scratching your head? If you want to understand what's happening at the court, subscribe to SCOTUS 101, a Heritage Foundation podcast breaking down the cases, personalities, and gossip at the Supreme Court. So, Mike, do you think that this lack of patriotic assimilation has led to some of the problems we have today? First, as I said, you know, there's always been, you know, there's always been a pushback against immigration. You had it with the know-nothings in the 1850s. Lincoln fought very strongly against the know-nothings. You had it during the early silent period. I think what eased it during those days was that there was, everybody agreed, all American leaders, all American business leaders Everybody from the progressives like like uh, Teddy Roosevelt and Wilson uh, to conservatives all believed in assimilation. Lincoln believed in assimilation. Today, as I said, um, there are many, especially you know, leaders on the left have pushed forward the notion that we cannot and should not have assimilation. In fact, assimilation has become a dirty word. And you and I have talked about this before. You mentioned we see this as going into grade schools. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it is really it is now the uh, the operating system of the cultural hardware. You know, uh, it is everywhere. It is it starts not it's, it starts before K through twelve. It starts in preschool. Uh, you see school children constantly being told that diversity is our strength. Diversity, it, it's not us. We are a diverse country. We are a country of diverse peoples, but what we should do as a country, especially because we are a country made up of, of immigrants, um, what, we knew, what we need to do is, is emphasize what we have in common, emphasize the common project, emphasize, you know, our common destiny. And that is what our schools should be teaching. Uh, 
diversity is a strength, it's an oxymoron, it is contradictory, uh, on its face is contradictory, and that's why they have to teach it again and again and again to, to drill it into people's minds, especially young minds. But once you, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't really make sense uh, when you have a country that takes people in from Thailand and Greece and Colombia and China, what you need to do is say, is, is make it inclusive and say, you too can be part of the American family. Join our family. So what can we do? How do we strike that balance between pride of your ancestry and its culture, but also loving your new country? It, it, it is a balance. And every, every immigrant wave has, has met its own way to the balance, right? Nobody, nobody pretends that you have to stop loving grandma's cooking, or that you shouldn't speak to your grandmother in her language, uh, this is something that has always been a part of America. Uh, and and uh, in, in people, you know, are individuals. They can, they, they, this is not a coercive thing. But what you have, to, what you do say to them is as a civic nation uh, with, a, with a, civic, uh, a civic sense of country, there is a common project that you should join. There is you should be able to be to understand the the culture of the country. You should be able to partake in the culture of the country. You should be able to understand the history of it, um, and and that actually helps you succeed in life. Don't forget that when we don't teach cultural knowledge uh, to, to immigrants or or to you know to people who are disadvantaged, what we do is we have we give a great advantage to the children of the rich. They will come equipped with cultural knowledge, and that will help them succeed. They will get it. They will get the innuendo, whereas people who, who are not taught the cultural antecedents will not get the innuendo. They will feel lost. So President Trump recently released an immigration plan, and he included policy that has to do with patriotic assimilation. Um, did you think it was on par? Is there room for improvement? I, I thought it was a, a good start. Uh, I think there is room for improvement. I think the president, for example, uh, said that we're going to give a, uh, a civics test prior to granting a visa. Um, there's no, I don't see a downside to that. Uh, however, if that is all we do, that is not nearly enough because, A, people can game the system. Anybody can read MLK's you know, I have a dream speech on the National Mall. Everybody can read and memorize parts of uh, George Washington's farewell address. That that doesn't mean anything. If those even even if they even if they're not trying to game the system, even if they mean well, and once they come in, having passed a civics test, if we continue to do the divisive things we're doing right now, if we continue to say no, you know, you go now to your respective group. You go now to the pan-ethnic group that the Census Bureau has created for you, or rather OMB, and, uh, and, and you are going to, we're going to speak in terms of group rights. We're not going to give you the knowledge of, of, of the Constitution, of the Declaration, of the Federalist Papers, of what made this country what it is today, why this country is free, what are the habits. There are some habits that, that, uh, that you know, are conducive to freedom. There are other habits that stifle freedom. If we do not teach the virtues that produce the freedom and prosperity that we have, then this is going to be turned out very badly for the newcomers and their children. 
That's it for today's episode. Mike has some really fascinating policy papers on this issue, reports that explain how our founders felt about patriotic assimilation, and also the exact ways our culture is doing the opposite. I'll put those links in our show notes. We're going to take a short break next week for the Memorial Day weekend and also Heritage's Resource Bank meeting in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'll be there with Alicia Krauss from The Daily Wire, home of The Ben Shapiro Show, and John Gabriel, editor-in-chief of Ricochet, to talk about conservatives in the podcasting world and also putting on a podcasting workshop. Hope to see you there. Tim will be back with an all-new episode the week after that. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by Thalia Rampersad.